I think it's a tragedy that so many pastors and ministry leaders today do not live fulfilled lives. Too often we are overwhelmed with life. We're overwhelmed with ministry. We're inundated with tasks. We have people coming to our door, knocking, knocking, knocking. And we have so many responsibilities that we're unable to walk through our days with a sense of fulfillment the way I believe that God has called us to. Well, today I'm privileged to have a special guest joining me here on the podcast who's just written a new book tackling this very issue. The book is simple, but don't mistake that for not being powerful. It's a very powerful book because it has four very hard-hitting questions that can help you and I increase our clarity and our confidence in our purpose, leading to a more fulfilled life the way I believe God has called us to live. So I'm excited to jump in on the interview. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. I hope you are doing wonderfully wherever you are in the country and whatever it is you are doing while listening to this podcast. For those who may somehow uh, have reached this podcast, this is your first time, I want to welcome you. My name is Dr. Brandon Party Cooper. I'm the founder here at the Ministry Hackers, the Ministry Hacker Podcast. I'm your host. Uh, and I'm just glad that you found your way here. Now, this week, I hope those of you who've been joining us have had a great time as we have celebrated our 100th episode. So we just had that a few days ago, and um, we're super excited. We've spent some time this week uh, celebrating that, looking back at where we've come from, uh, some of the transitions that we went through since we launched in January of 2020, some of the things that have happened, how we've pivoted, just like you as pastors and ministry leaders have been pivoting all year long. Uh, here at the podcast, we had to do the same thing. And so we've looked over that. Uh, we had a great guest on with us a couple of days ago, Chris McClure, talking about his new book, Magnetic Leadership. And we have a wonderful guest here today that I'm super excited to interview. And so, but what our goal here is, and what we do here at Ministry Hackers is our focus is helping pastors and ministry leaders live their dream life in ministry. And so I've been inviting you uh, to join me this summer as we look to discover what your dream life in ministry looks like. Now, I don't know what it looks like because God's the one that's designed it. He's the one that has created it for you. But what I do know is how to help you discover what that dream life is. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to go to ministryhackers.com slash my dream life and see how you can join me as we journey through this summer. Try to discover what your dream life and ministry looks like to help you live a more uh, satisfying, a more fulfilled and a more wonderful life that God has created for you and wants you to live. So go again, go to ministryhackers.com slash my dream life, and let's get started looking and discovering what your dream life in ministry really looks like this summer. Okay, do you wish you were living a more fulfilled life? That's the question we're asking today. As we pursue our dream life in ministry, we ideally, theoretically, the hope is, is that we would arrive at increasing levels of fulfillment as we journey through our lives. Well, my guest today has four compelling questions to lead us to a more fulfilled life. He's captured these four questions in his new book, Fulfilled, Four Hard Questions That Will Increase Clarity and Confidence in Your Purpose. He's an associate pastor at Project Church in Sacramento, California. So 
everyone give a warm welcome to our guest today, Pastor Lauren Zamora. Welcome, Lauren. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Really happy to be here. Excited to, to talk. So you're in California. So tell me, for all of us who are living in the Midwest, how nice is it there in California here at the beginning of June? So, so nice. Facts. Today, the thermostat will get to, or predicted to get to 110. Wow. So I'm going to the pool this afternoon. Uh, wow. Uh, my my in-laws pool. So it's nice. I mean, we got the beach. Sacramento is right in between um, a bunch of things. Like I'm an, I'm an hour and a half to two hours from Lake Tahoe, which is beautiful. Sierra Nevada's so many beautiful hikes. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my jam. Wow. And then just two hours uh, or less from San Francisco and the beach, like a, a lot of beautiful beaches. So uh, we're kind of right in the middle of that and I'll, um, with a lot of other things as well. So I love California, uh, minus some things but I, <laughs> that I put up with uh, sure. yeah, to be here. Yeah, there's always that 20% you gotta put up with. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What well, I mean, again, for me, living here in Iowa on the Mississippi River in the middle of the country, it sounds like you're already living your dream life just by location. So, so I'm a little bit, jealous. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit jealous of you. I feel it. <laughs> okay, so I'm super That's excited funny. about the book, and so I want to start off yep. with the obvious question: What compelled you to write the book to begin with? Well, I know we have a lot of pastors and ministry leaders on this uh, podcast listening in, and I would say a lot of us would probably be in the similar spot. I think most pastors are kind of like, man, I feel like I could write a book. So many people have come up to me after this and asked me a similar question of why and how and how'd you motivate. And I, and I think it is, I would encourage pastors and leaders listening to just do it yeah. because that was what kind of, you know, often we feel like we need a big message in the sky, a big, like compelling thing. But I was kind of like, I'm going to just do it. And we need that internal motivation. Um, and it needs to have that point. And maybe not all of us are supposed to write a book. This may not be the best use of our time. But for me, it what compelled me was I had a message that I felt like could be, it's just another, another avenue of communication, right? Like right. I would preach it. And I would always have this theme that would tie into purpose. Like that was my main, um, my main soapbox that I would get on is Ephesians 2.10. Like you are his workmanship and that was for good works that we should walk in them. And so that was kind of like my soapbox message. And I was like, how can I maximize this uh, beyond a Sunday morning and even weaving it into most sermons that I end up preaching? Um, so that's that's kind of how how it all came about. It wasn't a big um, it wasn't a big moment. It was just kind of like it was just kind of like, hey, you know what? I should do this. Like, let me just do it. Right. Um, and it was a continual decision I had to make because <laughs> right. you you lose motivation. You kind of yeah. lose the 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 track. You get the writer's block or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but but uh, no, I would encourage if you're out there thinking, man, I should do it just do it right. like it, it's it's a, it was a, and here's why it will change you yes. it will change you in the process and by the end of the time while you get to release it like i did i was like you know what i don't even care if anybody buys this this was help this was beneficial this was not wasted time right. because it changed me so much so that's my encouragement for for anybody thinking about it 
Yeah, I loved your social media posts of why I wrote the book. And my favorite one, because you were giving all these reasons why. And my favorite one of all was, yeah. why not? Because <laughs> I think you're right. I yeah. think everybody has a book of some sort in them. And yeah. you know, most of the time, it's just this fear of, I don't know, fear of not doing well, fear of not selling enough copies, fear of you know yeah. not sounding good. Or you know even some of us are afraid we're not going to finish the book. Um, yeah, yeah. I think if you just buckle down and commit to it and, um, and do it, it, you know, I don't, very few people regret writing a book. A lot of people regret well said. writing a book. So well said. Okay. So how do you feel? How, how do you feel the pursuit of living a fulfilled life? Um, how do you feel that that spills over to us as, as pastors and, and how we lead, like how is our level of fulfillment in life as pastors and ministry leaders? How does that then translate in how we lead and how we love people and, you know, how we just uh, communicate and, 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 and minister to, to people? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it, it unlocks, it kind of sets me up. You just set me up, bro, um, for like the message of my book. And it's, and it's a simple principle that we preach that it's like, hey, you can't take someone where you're not going. You can't lead someone where you yourself aren't going. And I think for me, I share the, the ugly story of me realizing that I was not healthy. Like I just was not. And the, my, my lack of uh, success, my lack of momentum in leading and kind of the slow, uh, like people and momentum being like volunteer based, people actually showing up, people like, you know, signing up for getting baptized and the lack of those things that we celebrate right. revealed in me, how much I was depending on these things mm. uh, to fulfill me, right. like the numbers and the impact, the results. I was depending on results to fulfill me. And so, so my answer to that question is it, it, it revealed in me the, the problem with this, that I wasn't healthy. I was, I was fulfilled based on results for a little bit. You know, I was like, man, this feels so good. When we started, we had momentum. It's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilled. Like God is using me and this feels amazing. And that should be the case, but that I shouldn't require that amazing feeling of like totally seeing how God uses me. Like I don't need that. Like, because I should be, I I need to prioritize and, and totally be fulfilled (laughs) by my identity in Jesus. Mm Uh, and, and that will, you said spills over that absolutely spills over into the ministry I'm leading because I'm not insecure and I'm, I'm just leading from a place that's like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilled. I can be a healthy, happy person, regardless of how many people show up, how many people sign up, how many groups, how many people get saved, how many, those are all important things, but I cannot depend on them. I am not expecting that to fulfill me because that is a setup for disappointment right. and a lack of fulfillment, which results in a very unhealthy, insecure uh, leader or pastor. Right. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent, it's, it's interesting you say that because I think that to a certain extent as leaders in general and pastors, maybe sometimes more specifically, we get so used to, you know, the, the pats on the back and, you know, seeing right. the results of what we do and, you know, especially right. for some of us who are maybe more uh, competitive natured or, you know, results yeah. oriented, we have this sense yeah. of, 
Like if the score is not high enough, then I'm not good enough. And so I like how mm. you kind of how you kind of broke that down. It's it's yeah. really about do we have this inner sense of fulfillment in relationship to mm. God that then yeah. kind of covers everything else that we do. Right, right. That's good. That's, That's so good. good. So in the book, you ask these four compelling questions, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away the questions, but how okay. did you arrive at the questions? What were you wanting the readers mm. to uh, to wrestle with as you kind of came to these four very challenging questions? Yeah, I um, I mentioned like it took me a long time. It took me two years plus. Um, and so, the, man, how I arrived at those questions was a lot of wrestling with, you know, and overanalyzing like, okay, what do I want to get? And I want it to be simple. Start and, out with just four, right? Like, I'm sure you had a. You're right. No, I had, and it, they weren't questions. They were like three mistakes and they were three or four keys and other things like that. And then I, I landed on questions because I felt like that was most helpful. And it was a little intriguing, like, hey, what are these questions? And it felt like, it felt like, um, like it was clear on what you were, what I was promising in the book. And so I felt like that was a accurate expectation. So people aren't like, reading the book and be like, this is what I was expecting. I wanted people to kind of match those two mm -hmm. and me to deliver on that promise. Um, and so uh, you mentioned wrestle with, and that is exactly what it is. So I, it absolutely, I wrestled with it. Like I said, like this book changed, the writing of this book changed me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it, it, I arrived at it from saying, man, what is the most helpful way I can, um, I, what is how is the this book going to be the most helpful? And I think questions are really the best thing. Like I could get some cool inspiration, and I pray inspiration does take place. But you know, we probably like preached it too, like a cool rhyme thing, like inspiration without application right. is something, or, or inspiration plus application is transformation, yeah. and we need that. And so it's like. We need, um, so, so I think it was really zeroing in and being like, how can I be helpful to people like reading this book and not just be like, oh, that was nice. Like, yeah, I do have purpose. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to go, you know, watch TV and then, yeah, feel good for a minute and then like not be helpful. So like I, I'm, I, I, I value uh, change and like actually helping people because I don't want to just like lasting change right. and, um, impact. Someone came up to me uh, last night at a leadership thing we did at our church. And he told me, he's like, I'm writing down everything I've got from your book um, that I'm like applying to my life. That's and I want to give it to you afterwards. I'm like, wow. bro, you just like made my day like <laughs> yeah. that. That is what it's all about. Um, and I know it's like, oh, do it just for one. But I told him, I'm like, bro, if I don't hear anything else in my book and nobody else buys it, yeah. and I just hear this, like, that is so encouraging to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it comes down to how I arrived at it. it was really based on like, man, I, what I want this to accomplish is real transformation. And if that's going to happen, we got to ask those hard questions. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. These aren't easy, you know, these aren't softball questions that you're asking, Right. you know, they're, and I said it in the intro, it's a simple book in the sense of there are four questions that are challenging you in your purpose and living this fulfilled life but they're not easy questions at all. So, you know, was there a strategy in even kind of picking those questions that were uh, 
more of a punch in the gut at times. I know for me, cause as I'm looking at, you know, I've been in ministry 20 years and, you know, been saved since I was, you know, 14 and, you know, I'm reading these questions. I'm like, man, like I really need to like sit and process these. These aren't just, Oh yeah. Da, 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 move on. And so like, right. what made you want to give these, you know, punch in the gut questions? Man, I think it's my, my nature. I'm a little bit of a, uh, feather ruffler. Like I kind of come in and, and I'm a challenger. I'm an Enneagram eight. If okay. you all know, you know, are into that kind of thing. Uh, and so that's kind of the challenger. Like I'm going in and I'm like the person to ask the questions that like, I'm not, I'm a kid in youth group. That was annoying. That was like, Hey, but what about this? You know? Uh, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm always challenging the system that I'm in or challenging people. Like that's kind of my thing. So, like, and it comes back to what I previously said. I don't want to just kind of come and give you a little pat on the back right. and be like, you have purpose, go get them. Like I, I do say that in there, but I don't, but I want to more than, than inspire. I want you to look inside. Right. Um, and, and really like, cause that is long-term change. Like right. we have basic principle truths of scripture. We are sinful people yes. and sanctification is instantaneous but progressive right we're saved but we're not there yet you and me we're pastors we've been in ministry decades and we are still jacked up like we still have stuff in this thing in in our heart yeah that we need to work on mm -hmm. and so rather than just inspiring to go like let's like get to the root like how can like i want to know what's messed up in here right because like I, and I want to know because I know the healer. Like mm -hmm. I know, and if, and one of the quotes in there is what's undefined is undefeated. And often as pastors, as people, we have these problems that come up, that surface up. Like we get angry, we get irritated, we get depressed, we get, and there are all these symptoms. And we're like, man, how do I deal with this anger? How do I deal with this depression and, right. and irritability and, and jealousy and pride and it's like okay these are all symptoms of a heart issue that we need to define and so these questions are are designed to help i to define the problem not just like put a band-aid right. on a heart rupture or something like right. that you know a heart issue when it's like no you have to look down deep and it's it's uncomfortable but if you see the why behind it, right. it's so it, it's worth it. If you see the long run, it's like, no, I want to know, uh, like I'm driving my car. I want to know that there's some issues with it, even though it's going to cost me a little bit. I want the mechanic to be like, hey, this thing, if you don't fix it soon, yeah. it's going to blow up your car. You know, I want to know what what issues are are there. Um, because like I said, I can then it's not like I'm like, oh, what do I do with this? I'm able to give it to Jesus and surround myself with community and ask myself like, okay, this is a problem. Let's just be real with it and help, help me to, to surrender this to him and, and replace that with his truth, um, with whatever the problem is. So, right. so yeah, that's my heart behind it, man. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So one of my favorite stories you tell in the book is about a season in your life that you called the hallway. And so can yeah. you just share that story with us and kind of what you learned in that season? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, 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 be, I was a youth pastor at 18 and I'd only been saved since I was 15. So I don't know what the guy was thinking, but he's like, all right, you're the youth pastor now. 
And uh, so I served there for six and a half years. Um, and so it was my one youth ministry, uh, or it was my first pastoral role. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew so much and then eventually felt like stepping down. And, um, and then between the position or the church, I should, I should say, because my position has shifted, but the church I am on staff on now, there was a six month thing I called the hallway. So God shut that door and I didn't feel like God was opening the next door yet. Mm -hmm. So I described it as the hallway. And I think a lot of um, pastors and leaders can relate to that. And here is, here is like the encouragement from it. The lesson I learned that I, I share in my book as well was my expectation for God to communicate to me, uh, I, I think was off. Um, what I was like, I read in scripture, Moses like got spoken to through a burning bush. Like how clear is that? Jonah got swallowed up by the whale and was like directly communicated to. And, um, and so I was expecting a burning bush to a degree. I never wouldn't say it, but I, but I even hear stories of pastors and, and people just saying like, oh, I heard God tell me to go to this city and do this. And I was like, oh yeah, well, I need that. And that can happen, but we are not promised a burning bush. We are not promised for God to communicate it that clearly. I pray for it and I believe it can happen, but that is not a promise. Right. And so my, my lesson that I learned was sometimes God just is saying, I gave you wisdom, now choose something. Yeah. Like we're praying like, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go to this this city or this city? Do you want me to take this job or this job? Do you want me to start this ministry or this ministry? And I believe in the power of prayer and God could speak to that. But sometimes I think we err on expecting too much from God and God's going like, Someone's going to take this the wrong way, but I think sometimes God's saying, I don't care. Yeah. I've already told you what to do. Mm -hmm. So pick one and go love God and love yeah. people. That's like good. I go, I've already told you what to do. So go make disciples, yeah. pick a city and go make disciples, pick a job and go make disciples, pick a toothpaste and go make <laughs> disciples. Cause we're praying about which toothpaste to get. Right. Like just <laughs> go. And, uh, and I think God's just going like, I already told you what to do. Right. You're just, you're, you're wasting time mm -hmm. in analysis paralysis, thinking, thinking everything through and, and God's, I just believe God will bless that initiative yeah. and not, and, and it's balanced. It's not saying, you know, zeal without knowledge, right? You, it's not saying, well, like I'm just going in blindly. He's given you a mind. Yeah. He's given you wisdom. And, and I, I believe the guide to it is peace. Like that's what I've encouraged people about discernment. And yes, God will speak to you, but, but I'm like, do I have peace about this? Right. And if there's peace about it and I have that desire and I'm praying, God, if this is not your will, then, then throw a red flag and give me and, and take away that peace, you know, right. and, and show me, make it very clear to me. And so that's kind of like a big lesson I've learned and how that, hallway was way too long. God used it. He taught, taught me something through it, but it, I think a lot of people are in that hallway for too long. Yeah. And so my encouragement is just, just pick something and, and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that God honors forward motion. So he would much rather mm. just move and then he can redirect us. It's kind of the whole idea of like, it's, you know, it's easier to, uh, to steer a moving bicycle 
than it is to see mm. one that's just sitting still. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love, I love that. the story. I love that part of the book that you share. So, okay. So as we're wrapping up, you know, again, like you said, you know, most of our uh, audience here at Ministry Hackers are pastors and ministry leaders. And, you know, as you know, this last year has been challenging and difficult. The statistics are saying mm. that, you know, 27% of pastors will leave the ministry in the next two years based on what we've gone through. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of that is, you know, it's, it's wear out, it's being worn out, it's being tired, yeah. it's being burned out, all those things. But I also think mm-hmm. that that's easily tied to this um, lack of fulfillment, you know, because I think if we are fulfilled in what we do, then we have mm-hmm. a lot more longevity, we have a lot more capacity, a lot more tolerance for what, what we're dealing with. And so I guess yeah. as we're wrapping up, I would, I would say if you were sitting down with pastors, you know, listening today, who are maybe thinking about leaving the ministry, who are maybe just, you know, maybe struggling with depression or frustrated, maybe feeling like they're just, you know, they're, they're punching the clock. Now they're just going in, they're doing what they have to do, but there's this Mm. gap between what they do every day and this sense of fulfillment that should be there for all of us. But especially I think for those who are, you know, giving their lives in ministry, you know, for those who are sitting there, if you're sitting across the table from them, what would you say to them to kind of propel them forward and keep them going? Yeah, no, that's such a good question. Um, or just a good opportunity. I would love that opportunity, by the way. But as in a way, I'm I'm doing that right now. Um, and I would just say, kind of coming back to my soapbox there, and and more specifically with pastors, of finding your fulfillment and not expecting results mm. to fulfill you, because that will leave you so incredibly dead. It will leave you so empty. Uh, my story was, and I kind of just alluded to it just to get it, paint the picture a little bit more clearer or more graphic of how, how bad it was. We were setting up our church plant, the second campus of our church that I was leading. I was the campus pastor. We launched in 2015 and had some great momentum, great success. Lives changed. And in three years in, we were just losing momentum. And I was owning that. Like I was weighing, that was weighing on me. And like I said, it was undefined and it was undefeated. I was like, what is going on in here? And I found myself like putting on the smile. And it was just one of those Sundays that just adds, everything adds up. I preached a sermon. It was so bad. I joked about in my book that I'm like, I'm pretty sure someone lost their salvation in the middle of my sermon. Like we put like, like the little stats up there. Like how many got saved? Negative one. Like we, we lost them. I'll try to get them back, but like that was that was a fail. Um, But that's kind of like that's how bad I felt about it. I'm like, man, I'm not helping anybody. People didn't want to be here. We have to, if you know anything about church plants, you got to like load in, load out. If you've been on the setup and tear down, we had a 26 foot U-Haul with all these things. We load in, load out, and a lot of the same volunteers since we started. They were there like 50 Sundays a, a a year. In reality, like, and then I'm like, man, they're, I, I got to be here because I'm expecting them to be here. And, mm-hmm. and I, everyone just like didn't want to be there. Anyways, I put on the smile after church was packing up and, uh, and we packed up and I said goodbye. And, and I just went into the elementary school bathroom and it just all caught up to me. Mm-hmm. And I just started crying in, in the bathroom. And like I said, I couldn't tell you really why, but looking back, I realized I was playing this argument in my head, which was, man, am I making an impact? Mm. And I was expecting, like, again, like if I wasn't making an impact, then I'm not 
I'm not just failing. I'm a failure. Mm. Like wow. I, cause, cause that's the thing we, we can, we're okay with the, the action or like failing, but we're not okay with the identity of failure. Right. Yeah. And that's that I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that at the time, but that's what I was doing in my mind. I was like, well, I need to, to succeed because then if I don't, then I'm not just failing, I'm a failure. And what I'm so grateful that that rock bottom hit where I was like, dude, what is going on? I got stuck. I got to figure this out because this is bad right. um, for me. And it was, it, I just, it was like, I got saved all over again. God spoke to me so clear in reminding me. And he's like, Lauren, I'm so incredibly proud of you. Yeah. And I love you, not because of what you can do. Right. But I love you because you are my son. Mm. That scripture says, I've been given the right to be called a child of God because I put my faith in Jesus. And there's no works. There's no, there's no earning there's no losing it. There's no like, okay, if I do this, I'm loved. If I don't do this, I'm loved. And it was the simple thing that I had my security in Jesus. And I, I don't do this often, but I was like, okay, the enemy, the devil is coming at me with these lies. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I, I, for a second, I'm like, wait, devil, this is the best thing you got on me that I would be, a, be called a failure, that like the church would, would go downhill right. and it's all my fault then I was like, flip the cards on him. And I'm like, you know what? Well, let's play this scenario out for a second. Let's just say worst case scenario, like the church just goes down and it's not like, oh, it was because of COVID or it was because of this or this. Like, no, everybody knows it's my fault. Everyone's like, Lauren, you are a horrible pastor. You're a horrible leader. Like right. play out anybody and everybody labels me that. I'm like, I am still fulfilled. Right. And, I, and I was serious. I don't say stuff like, just to say stuff. I was like, that's how strongly I felt about it. I'm like, bring it on because I'm fulfilled. And I felt like I was just like, just un I like I had this unstoppable because I'm not expecting a result. I wasn't worried about like, oh man, how many people are showing up because I need that to feel good about myself. Like, right. what is that? Right. That's not healthy. But 99% of pastors feel that. Yeah. And I, st it still comes back to me and I still have to remind myself of that powerful truth. So that is what I would encourage pastors with That's awesome. find, come back to that place in your fulfillment. Simply, uh, you can find it either way, your impact or identity, find fulfillment in your identity that yeah. you are called a child of God. That's good. Man, that's so good. Man, it's a great book. Again, great questions. Very challenging. If you want to get your copy, go to laurenzamora.com. Uh, I would encourage you to get the book, dive into it, and really wrestle with those questions because it's not just a book. It's not just four questions. It's really the 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 centerpiece of who you are as an individual, not as a pastor or ministry leader, but as an individual and as a child of God. Yeah. So, Lauren, thank you so much uh, for writing the book. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing it with us. And man, excited to see what else you do uh, out there in California and excited to hear, um, man, what is happening with the book and, you know, all the lives that are touched. And so I'm so glad you came on mm. to share with our, uh, with our ministry Thank you. community. Yeah, absolutely. It was truly an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. No problem. All right, guys, again, go to laurenzamora.com, get your copy of the book fulfilled, have a wonderful rest of the day, and we will see you in the next episode.